Lord Jesus, you are victorious. You are mighty. You reign over all. You are our king and we worship and we love and we love to sing your praises, Lord Jesus. Oh, how we love you, Lord Jesus. You are truly victorious and you welcome us into your victory. You include us in your victory over sin and death, that all who believe in you can have their sins forgiven and life everlasting. So we thank you, Jesus Christ, this morning for all your power and might and your victory. We praise you together. And we ask that as we read from your word, you would speak to us. You would move in our hearts and minds. You would teach us things that are true and you would change us to make us more Christ-like. And more than that, you would reveal the glory and the beauty and the compassion and the power and the authority of Jesus Christ in this moment as we read together from Matthew chapter 8. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. My sermon this morning is on authority. And for some, that might not sound like a great topic to hear about. It might be the most, not be the most popular topic. You know, in our society, we, we kind of want to rebel against authority, we want to throw off the shackles of authority, we want to speak negatively about authority. Um, but I believe that authority is a biblical topic, and actually, I think that this is going to be an encouraging sermon and a wonderful sermon for us really to think about Jesus's authority as shown in the Bible. Now, to get your juices flowing, to get you thinking all about this topic of authority, I want to ask you some questions to kick our sermon off this morning. So the first question I want to ask you is, what's your attitude to authority? Would you describe yourself as a rebel or someone who happily submits to authority? What's your attitude to authority? Who has authority over you? Who has authority in your life right now? And what about this question? When I think, when I mention the word authority, who do you think about? Are there people in your past who you thought as a, an authority figure, someone who just exuded authority? You know, when I asked Rachel that question, who in your past um, had a lot of authority. Rachel mentioned her year nine physics teacher who she described as terrifying. I wonder whether that's your understanding of authority, someone who was just very, very scary. But let me let me finish with this one last question. Have you ever met someone who used their authority to love and serve others? Have you ever met someone who used their authority to love and serve others. And the reason I ask you that question is because the in the passage we're about to read in Matthew chapter 8, Jesus Christ is revealed as one with complete authority, perfect authority. He's shown to be one with great power and authority, but wonderfully, beautifully in Matthew chapter 8, he uses that authority to compassionately care for the people around him. He has complete authority and yet he uses that authority to care and to love the people around him. And for that reason, I want to humbly suggest to you this morning that Jesus is someone who is worthy of submitting to. 
He has complete, perfect, glorious authority, and yet he uses that authority to love and show compassion to others. And for that reason, I think all of us should be willing to submit to the perfect authority in the world, Jesus Christ. Shall we read together? Reading from Matthew chapter 8. I'm going to start actually in Matthew chapter 7. So I'm going to read Matthew 7. Um, I'm going to read from verse 28 and I'm going to read through to Matthew 8 verse 17. Matthew 7, 28 through to 8, 17. And this is, of course, just after the Sermon on the Mount that we've been reading together as the church. When Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. When he came down from the mountain, great crowds followed him. And behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a proof to them. When he had entered Capernaum, a centurion came forward to him, appealing to him, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. And he said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion replied, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof, but only say the word and my servant will be healed. For I, too, am a man under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes and to another, come and he comes and to my servant, do this and he does it. But when Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who followed him, truly, I tell you, With no one in Israel have I found such faith. I tell you, many will come from east and west and recline at table with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, while the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And to the centurion, Jesus said, go, let it be done for you as you have believed. And the servant was healed at that very moment. And when Jesus entered Peter's house, he saw his mother-in-law lying sick with a fever. He touched her hand and the fever left her and she rose and began to serve him. That evening they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. Three wonderful stories of Jesus healing and showing his authority and power in the lives of those around him. There's so much to highlight and reflect on and unpack in that passage. There's the faith of the leper in verses one to four. Jesus is coming down the mountainside with crowds following him after his wonderful sermon on the mount. And then this leper emerges comes forward and kneels before Jesus in worship. He bows down. He he shows adoration to Jesus, whom he calls Lord. 
and he brings he spe- this leper speaks some astonishing and outstanding words of faith. He says to Jesus, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. You see, this leper had outstanding faith. He knew that whatever Jesus Christ willed would come to pass. And so if Jesus willed that he be healed from his leprosy, he would be healed. It's outstanding faith that this leper shows. And the outcome is that Jesus touches him and says, I will, I do will be clean and immediately the leprosy goes you can see the outstanding faith of this man with leprosy and so we could stop and reflect on the great faith that the leper shows in verses one to four but then there's also the faith of the centurion in verses five to thirteen and in so many ways the faith of the centurion surpasses and eclipses the faith of the leper that the centurion comes on behalf of his servant which I think is remarkable in and of itself, by the way. This centurion cares about the welfare of his servant. It matters to this centurion that his servant is suffering terribly. And so the centurion comes to Jesus on behalf of his servant and shows, again, outstanding faith. I mean, look at the words that he he says in verses eight and nine. I know with just a word, if you just speak a word, he'll be healed. He talks about authority in such a clear way. Um, Jesus doesn't need to come to his his house, the centurion knows. He knows that Jesus can just speak and the servant will be healed. In fact, the faith of the centurion is so emphatic, is so remarkable that Jesus marvels in verse 10 and says, I haven't met anyone in Israel. There's no one, there's no Jew that I've met who showed the kind of faith that this centurion is expressing. And so we could spend our morning reflecting on the great faith of the centurion. Then there's Peter's mother-in-law. Peter's mother-in-law, who one minute is lying in bed with a fever. And then Jesus comes and touches her hand and heals her. And so the next minute she's up, she's healed and she's serving Jesus. I love that about Peter's mother-in-law. She was one second, she's lying in bed feeling ill. The next minute she's serving Jesus Christ. Again, expressing worship and faith towards Jesus. We could spend time thinking about that. There's a whole theology in this passage of the relationship between faith and healing. And we could spend some time talking about that relationship between faith and healing. It's interesting, isn't it, that the leper has faith for himself. And so the leper's faith is is what brings him before Jesus and he prays and he's healed. And the centurion has faith on someone else's behalf. And so the centurion's faith secures the healing in a sense for his servant at home. But then Peter's mother-in-law, no one really expresses any kind of faith. It's just Jesus's compassion in seeing Peter's mother-in-law sick and touching her hand and healing. And in that, that healing has nothing to do with faith whatsoever. It's just about Jesus' love and compassion. And so we could talk about the theology of healing and faith and relationship there. Or we could pause and reflect on Jesus' words about heaven and hell in Matthew chapter 8. Heaven is shown to be a place of banqueting where Abraham, Isaac and Jacob eat and Gentiles, even this centurion, comes and joins them and eats with them in the banqueting hall in heaven. Won't that be a wonderful, wonderful time when Jesus returns again and and the new heavens and the new earth are created. There's heaven on earth and we will banquet together with the great heroes of the Old Testament. 
Or we could reflect on what Jesus says about hell in this passage. That is a place of outer darkness. That is a place of weeping. That is a place of gnashing of teeth. And many will go to that outer darkness. Many will go to hell, including even Jews. Those who are part of the kingdom of Israel who haven't accepted Jesus Christ will go to hell, Jesus says in this passage. So we could think about heaven and hell. There's there's loads to unpack in this passage. But my intention this morning is to focus on what this passage says about Jesus Christ. I want us to talk and focus on Jesus this morning. And the reason I want us to do that is because I think that was Matthew's intention in sharing these stories. You'll notice that the leper, the centurion and Peter's mother-in-law, none of them are actually named in this story. And that's because Matthew is writing this story to focus our attention primarily on Jesus. And so although we can think about the faith of the leper and the faith of the centurion and the service of the mother-in-law, What we really want to do today is look at Jesus Christ, our Lord and Saviour, and see in him the wonderful attributes that he displays in Matthew chapter 8. These verses are all about Jesus Christ. And so that's where we're going to spend our time this morning. And the first thing I want us to see about Jesus in Matthew chapter 8 is that he is one with all awesome authority. Jesus has awesome authority. The theme of authority starts, of course, in chapter 7. When Jesus teaches in the Sermon on the Mount, it it says in Matthew 7 verses 28 and 29, the crowd were astonished at Jesus's teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. The crowds who listen to Jesus' teaching in the Sermon on the Mount are astonished at his authority. You know, when I preach sermons um, as at, at Christchurch Fair and wherever I go to preach sermons, I actively try to reveal and communicate my submission to the word of God. In other words, I try not to preach as one who has authority. I try to preach as one whose authority comes entirely from God's word. And that's why we put the verses up on the screen and and we say, what I'm saying comes from God's word. So I'm not preaching as one who has authority. I'm preaching about and on the word of God, which has all authority for it's God's word. So I don't preach like Jesus preached in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus preached with his own authority in the Sermon on the Mount. He did not appeal um, to the word of God in order to make his points. Rather, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is saying, this is how you should live. And I know that this is how you should live because I know the Father. I know what the Father sees in secret. I know what the Father will reward. He's speaking as one who He's speaking as though he knows the Father, which of course he did. He'd been with his Father in eternity forever. And so Jesus is speaking with such authority in the Sermon on the Mount. He's not teaching and saying, we know this is true because it says it in this verse. No, he just says, the Father will reward in secret those who pray or those who fast or those who give. or, Or blessed is the one who hungers and thirsts for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Just says those things. He doesn't reveal where he's getting the teaching from because... He's speaking on his own authority. And so authority is introduced as a theme in chapter 7, and it continues into chapter 8, 
with the three stories that I read to you as he heals the leper and the centurion's servant and Peter's mother-in-law. In fact, this theme of authority continues even into Matthew chapter 9. In Matthew chapter 9 verse 6, Jesus says he has the authority to forgive sins. So this stretch of storytelling from Matthew is all about the authority of Jesus. And at the beginning of Matthew chapter 8, it's particularly about Jesus's authority to heal, Jesus's authority over sickness and disease. So, so let's consider in Matthew chapter 8, let's consider the awesome authority of Jesus Christ. Firstly, at the start of chapter 8, let's consider the leper who had a perfect understanding of the doctrine of Jesus's sovereignty. The leper knows that Jesus is king and he knows that if Jesus wills to heal him, he will be healed. He knows that Jesus is sovereign, has authority over the leprosy in his body. And he expresses that in these words. If you will it, you can make me clean. And that understanding of Jesus's authority over leprosy comes from a deeper universal theology that I think this leper understands, which is that. Whatever Jesus wills, it will come to pass. Jesus has awesome authority, ultimate authority. Whatever he wills comes to pass. That's awesome authority, isn't it? The will of Christ is unstoppable. Like light in the darkness, like a hot knife through butter, like thunder and lightning and a storm traveling through the United Kingdom this week. The will of Christ is unstoppable. Whatever he wills will come to pass. And so if he wills that this man's leprosy be healed, he will be made clean. Such authority, such power, it's perfect authority in the will of Christ revealed by these lepers' words at the beginning of Matthew chapter 8. Consider also verse 16 at the end of the verses that I read and this evening of healing and driving out of demons that takes place in Simon Peter's house. And look at it carefully at what it says in verse 16. It says, he cast out the evil spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. You know, that verse could just say Jesus cast out evil spirits and healed all who were sick. But Matthew includes this little phrase with a word to show just how much authority the word of Jesus Christ has. It's not just that Jesus's will has authority. It's also that Jesus's word has authority. And so when Jesus speaks to an evil spirit with a word, the evil spirit submits to his authority and is cast out. Jesus can cast out an evil spirit with a word. He can heal with a word. It's not just his will that's unstoppable it's also his word the evil spirits and the illnesses and diseases at the end of uh, in verse 16 obey jesus's commands but jesus's authority is most clearly shown in the middle story with this encounter with the centurion and the healing of the centurion's servant have a look at verse 8 this is what the centurion says in verse 8 Lord, I am not worthy to have you come under my roof, 
but only say the word and my servant will be healed. This centurion really understands just how powerful the word of Jesus Christ is. Say the word and my servant will be healed. We should pray like that sometimes. We should say, Lord, you say the word and it will come to pass. That's your authority, Jesus. Say the word and this will happen. And then the centurion doesn't stop there in verse 8. He goes on in verse 9 to add to this amazing statement of faith. And by and he adds an amazing analogy for Jesus' authority. He says, I'm a centurion. I know what it is to be under authority. And I also have soldiers and servants under me. And if I say go, they go. If I say come, they come. If I say do this, they do it. And so I know that over my soldiers and my servants, my authority is is total. They do what I say. In the same way, Jesus, I know that your authority is complete and perfect. And when you say, when you speak, your words will be obeyed. If you say, come, Jesus, and you do it with that authoritarian way that Jesus can speak, we will come. In the same way, just as I as a centurion can command people to do things, you, Jesus, can command this suffering, this illness to leave, this paralyzing to leave my servant, and it will be done. Such is your awesome authority. The centurion has great understanding of how powerful the word of Jesus Christ is. And what happens? Jesus says the word and the servant is healed at that very moment. Isn't it amazing? Jesus has awesome authority. He is the great commander in chief. He is the military officer. And when he speaks and when he commands, diseases and illnesses obey his command. Evil spirits obey his command. Leprosy obeys his command. He truly is one with awesome authority. I want you to know that this morning. Jesus has awesome authority over illness, disease, over you, over all things. But I think what's truly amazing about this passage is the way Jesus uses his authority. As I said at the beginning, Jesus uses his authority to love and care for others. So if the first point I wanted to draw out of Matthew chapter 8 is Jesus' awesome authority, the second thing I want us to see is Jesus' deep compassion. To the centurion, Jesus shows compassion, not only by healing the servant, but also speaking so positively about this centurion to the crowd. You know, he 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 marvels at the centurion's faith and turns to the crowd and says, I have not found faith like this anywhere else in Israel. It's amazing display of love and affection towards the centurion to Peter's mother in law. I love the way Jesus touches her hand to heal the fever. I think there's great tenderness in the way Jesus heals Peter's mother-in-law in verse 15. 
He's showing compassion to her. And I love that story, the fact that no one says, oh, come and heal Peter's mother-in-law. There's no one who begs for the healing. It's just Jesus seeing someone who's sick and going, I have compassion upon her. I have compassion upon my disciple Peter. I'm going to I'm just going to lay my hand on her and heal her. But truly, it's Jesus's interaction with the leper where Jesus's love and compassion and kindness really, really do shine through. Look over those first four verses of Matthew chapter eight again. I want you to imagine for a moment that you are the man with leprosy in this story. And while everyone else can gather in the temple, in the assembly of the followers of God, and people can be friendly and, to, and can hug and chat, you, as a leper, have been declared unclean by a priest of Israel, and you are forced to isolate yourself from everybody else. Maybe not that hard to imagine during our current crisis and pandemic but it'll be worse than that because while everyone else is hugging and celebrating and being together you alone are separate from them if you read uh, leviticus 13 cha leviticus chapter 13 and leviticus chapter 14 you read about god's instruction about how a priest should interact with a leper and what's really obvious when you read those chapters is that the priest does a lot of looking and examining, but no touching. You know, the priest was to look at this man's leprosy to decide whether he really did have leprosy or, or whether and needed to be completely isolated or whether he was OK and, and could be part of the body of, of the gathering of the believers in God at that time. And there's some pretty horrendous things that happen, like the, the leper the leper before they even know whether he has leprosy or not ha perhaps has to isolate for seven days and then the priest has to come back and check him again to make sure whether these sores on this man's body really are contagious leprosy or not but the priest would never touch and would only look and so when this leper sees jesus in matthew chapter 8 i wonder what he was expecting when he bowed down to worship Jesus and says what he knows to be true, if you will, you can make me clean. He knows that Jesus can heal him, but I wonder what he was expecting to happen. He, he knows Jesus has the power and authority, doesn't he? His words show that he knows Jesus has power and authority. But his question is, does Jesus want to heal me? Does Jesus care enough about me to heal me? The leper knows Jesus' power and authority, but he doesn't know Jesus' compassion and kindness. And so I wonder what he was expecting in this moment. There will have been hope in his heart that Jesus would see his condition and care enough to heal him. But surely the leper did not expect what happens in verse 3, where it says Jesus stretches out his hand and touches the man with leprosy. I think the leper did not expect that. That would be the last thing that he would have expected to be touched by Jesus Christ. 
And I, I assume the leper is still bowed down at this point. So I don't know quite how Jesus touched him, whether he reached out and took his hand and pulled him to his feet or whether he just laid his hand upon his head or whether he reached out and took his, his, his kind of neck cheek area or whether he grabbed him by the shoulder. I don't know how Jesus touched him. But that moment would have been wonderful for this man with leprosy. No one else dared touch him. No one else dared come near him. But Jesus tenderly and affectionately reaches out his hand and touches him. Maybe on his cheek. I like to think it was that kind of affectionate touch on his cheek. And says, I will be clean. You can imagine the disciples and the crowds and, and maybe Peter in the crowd saying, Jesus, no, don't touch him. He's got leprosy. What are you doing? Don't do, you'll catch it. But Jesus's compassion breaks through the social understanding of what should happen with a man of leprosy. He, and also he knows he's got the power to heal him. But Jesus reaches down in compassion and shows this man that he cares. You know, if Jesus had just said, I will be healed and not touched him. Jesus would have shown to the crowds that he had great power and great authority. But by touching him, he reveals his tender compassion upon this man. Jesus cares. You know, Jesus doesn't just care about the man with leprosy. He cares about you. His heart and his compassion are for you. Even now through this sermon, Jesus is reaching out to you, to touch you, to meet with you, to speak with you, to be tender and affectionate towards you. Jesus loves individuals with deep compassion. We see this throughout the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. They describe the life of Jesus Christ. And we see throughout the Gospels that Jesus has awesome power. He can do amazing miracles. He can walk on the water. He can feed 5,000 people with five loaves of bread and two fish. He can heal the sick. He can teach with authority. He's a man of tremendous authority and power. But he's also one who loves individuals with deep, deep, warm, tender-hearted compassion. Jesus is the commander-in-chief whose orders are always obeyed. And he's the medic who washes the wounds of the wounded soldiers. Jesus is the great gust of wind that takes all in its path, that rips up trees and shows such astonishing power. And he's the gentle breeze that cools you down when it's warm. Jesus is the mighty wave who crashes upon the rocks and breaks the rocks with awesome power. And he's the bubbling brook whose sound and coolness bring peace and refreshment and restoration to your soul. Jesus has awesome authority and tender, deep compassion. I hope you know that this morning. Our Lord and Saviour Jesus, awesome power, awesome authority, great tenderness and great compassion. And so I want to finish with three 
applications of this great truth that Jesus is, has authority and compassion. And, and so the first application is this. Remember Jesus's authority and compassion and come to him for healing and forgiveness and love. In Matthew 11, verses 28, Jesus commands and he says, Come to me, all who labour and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. In John 6, verse 37, Jesus says, Whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. And in John 7, verse 37, Jesus says, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And, and so you see, Jesus commands us to come to him. And because his authority is so great, it should just be enough that he commands with authority. And that should convince us to submit to his commands and obey his commands and come to him, draw near, close to him. Just because he has such great authority, we should obey that command. But Jesus doesn't bark those orders like a military general. He tenderly speaks those commands to the ones whom he loves. He's, he's speaking with authority, but he's speaking with tender compassion. And so we should obey in submission because Jesus has such awesome authority. But we should also obey in joy because we know it's the compassion of Christ when he commands us to come to him. And so I, I just plead with you, come to Jesus. He welcomes us into his presence. He calls us to draw close to him and he does so with authority, but also with tender compassion. If you are not a Christian this morning, come to Christ. Draw near to Christ. Reach out to him in prayer now and say, Jesus I want to know you and I want to know your tender compassion. And so I come to you in prayer now. And when you pray, Jesus, the one with all authority, but also the one with tender compassion, will hear you and respond to you. Come to Christ. Remember Jesus's authority and compassion and come to him. Secondly, remember Jesus's authority and compassion in worship. You know, worship isn't just about singing songs on a Sunday. Worship is about all of our life lived in a way that brings glory to Jesus. And we have in Matthew chapter 8 three wonderful examples of what it looks like to worship Jesus in knowledge of his authority and compassion. We have the, the leper who bows down, kneels before Jesus in submission, knowing that Jesus has all authority. And I tell you, as part of our worship, we should find moments where we kneel before Jesus. We pray to him, we come before him and we bow before him in submission to his glorious authority. And we should know in those moments that Jesus in his compassion reaches down and touches us. So do you bow in your worship to Jesus? Then we have the centurion who whose words show great humility. And that's a form of worship to Jesus. The, the centurion who says, I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof. I wonder whether you speak to Jesus in that worshipful way. Jesus, I'm not worthy to have you love me and care for me and save me, save me. But you do. You know, when we speak humbly and we recognise our own weakness and 
and, and downtroddenness in comparison to the glory and, and wonder of Christ. If we speak with in that humble way, that's a worshipful way of speaking to God. And then we have Peter's mother-in-law who is healed and then gets up and serves Jesus. And, you know, the way we serve Jesus and serve others is a form of worship to God. And we who have been healed, we who have been forgiven our sins, should use our forgiveness to serve Jesus, to to do things to help him, to, to do the menial tasks and the odd jobs, to love and to care for others. Because all of that service and love to others is also service to Jesus Christ. That's what it is to truly live a life of worship. It's not about singing is about serving and serving Christ in worship. And if we really believe that Jesus has awesome authority and tender compassion, then we will, we will be those who live lives of worship. So remember Jesus's authority and compassion in worship. And thirdly and finally, remember Jesus's authority and compassion in our prayers. We're not only shown how to worship in Matthew chapter 8, we're also given these wonderful examples of prayer. The leper says, if you will, you can make me clean. And we need to say that in our prayers. Jesus, if you will it, it will happen. And so I'm praying for this thing. I'm praying for there to be an end to COVID-19. And I'm praying for us to be able to gather as the church and not just gather again as the church, but also to sing together as the church. I'm praying for those restrictions to be lifted. And Lord Jesus, I know if you will it, it will come to pass. We're praying, calling upon the authority of Jesus Christ. The centurion does the same. Speak the word and it will happen. And we should say those kind of things in our prayers. Lord Jesus, you say the word and it will happen. I want my friend to come to know Jesus. You say the word and it will happen. I'm calling upon your authority. I want my my family member to be healed. Jesus, you say the word and it will happen. Do you pray like that, calling on the authority of Jesus, but also calling on the compassion of Jesus? Lord, you care for my friend who's sick. You love them. You love them even more than I love them. Will you heal them and move in their life? You care for my friend who's an unbeliever, Lord. Show your compassion. Bring them. Draw near to them. Reveal yourself to them, Lord Jesus, please. Lord, you care about the people who are lonely during lockdown. Lord, would you bring an end to this lockdown? Would you enable the church to gather once again that that might be ended? Show your compassion, Lord. Show your authority. Show your compassion and move. Do we pray according to the authority of Jesus and the compassion of Jesus? And that's what we're going to do to finish now, is we're going to pray. Because Jesus is one with awesome authority to answer our prayers and he's one with tender compassion to hear and respond to our prayers. So let us pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you that you have authority over illnesses and disease. I thank you for the way you healed the leper. You healed the centurion's servant. You healed Peter's mother-in-law. You healed all who were brought to you and drove out many demons. Lord Jesus, I pray, according to your authority and your compassion, would you heal the people in our church who need healing now? Lord, would you speak the word and it be done? Would you will it to happen and it be done? For your will is unstoppable and your word is all powerful. And so we ask you bring healing in our church right now, Lord God. We pray also for us that we would see your authority and see your compassion and walk in light of that? Would we pray according to your authority and your compassion? Would we worship you for your authority and for your compassion? And more than anything else, Lord Jesus, would we come to you knowing that when you call us to come, you call us as one with all authority and power, 
but also you call us as one who loves us. And so we draw near to you now, Lord Jesus Christ. We come into your presence. We love you. And we draw on your tender compassion. Lord, reach out your hand and touch us by the power of the Holy Spirit. I pray now, Lord God, just as you cared for the leper, show your care for us now, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.